0: Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Welcome to Text Talks. I am Tex and today I am talking to a DJ, producer and songwriter who has a complex musical prowess that reflects his versatility and wide-ranging musical aptitude. While music is always his focal point, he simultaneously champions matters close to his heart, matters that are always worth talking about like mental health and the empowerment of the LGBTQIA plus community. I'm of course talking about Felix Ian. Felix, welcome. Welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Thank you so much and thanks for the warm welcome. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I'm well. Thanks. Uh, How about you?
0: I'm good. I'm good and it's only a pleasure. We like to make people feel comfortable on the show before I crack on with the hard questions. No, I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> but I was wondering if you knew One of the first things that come up when you search your name and interview on YouTube is a 17 favorite things feature that you did about three years ago. And it's this super cute interview where you mention your hometown and your friends and your family. And then for your favorite festival, you mentioned both performances of Ultra Music Festival in Mm. South Africa. And listen, South Africans, we know how to party, but... What made ULTRA Festival stand out for you as your favorite festival to perform at?
1: I think it was a mix of many factors. Like one is obviously the fans, the people, the crowd, the energy was just crazy. I, I really, really enjoyed their vibes. Um, in particular in Cape Town, I was super grateful because I was on the main stage and I was playing quite early during the afternoon where it was still like sunny and hot. But everybody came early and like went for it all in anyway. And I I truly didn't expect that. I thought it'd be like quite like low energy in during the afternoon. But no, they came early and they went all in. And I was super grateful for that. The venues were obviously like breathtaking in Cape Town. It was in the stadium, which was kind of surreal. It was also a super fun experience because I took my uh, one of my brothers on tour and he joined me and he came to the shows. We had a lovely time and um, we just like truly enjoyed being there. Um, and yeah, I'm just like right now I have my eyes closed and I'm remembering all those moments and it, it still feels amazing.
0: <laughs> I was there at that ultra and your set was for me the highlight of the festival and uh, really, but what you you. mentioned about like how all of the people came down and it was still quite early and, you know, you weren't necessarily expecting that reaction. I think that's what made it so special and people like weren't necessarily that drunk, you know, they still like had their wits about them and stuff. So it was really special how you, you set the tone for what was to come throughout the Mm. night.
1: So Mm. that was
0: really rad. Amazing. What else do you remember about your time in South Africa?
1: Uh, well, we did a safari as well. That was obviously breathtaking um, to be like in nature. It was like a proper like tent in the nature kind of vibe, um, which was really cool to get to experience. Um, a completely different type of nature towards the one that i know from germany and europe of course um i also really enjoyed cape town as a vibrant city the oh way yeah we're I the best know it at least i don't know like i was probably like in the bubble between fancy hotel restaurants and show and airports and i haven't really like fully discovered the city and country at all because i've only been there for a couple of days but the part that I got to know was amazing and it felt vibrant, it felt international and cool and and very artsy. I really liked the vibe in the streets. Every Everything was just like, it was a vibe. <laughs> I can't wait to come back actually. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, you have to come back. And there's so much more about Cape Town to explore. And like you said, you might have only got to see one side of it, but there's also the traditional side to it. And, you know, you go to Boer Karp, and then you eat the traditional dishes. And obviously you do the touristy things, like you go up the mountain and you, and you see the penguins, but there are also township tours. And there's so much more in Cape Town to explore. So you have to come back once mm. things sort of, quote, unquote, get back to normal.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: But I want to talk about your hometown. And you must tell me if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Is it Mecklenburg, Western Pomerania, Germany?
1: Well, that's like, <laughs> technically, to be fair, that's the state.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So it's what's not, the name?
1: Uh, the, I, I won't mention the town because it's literally, uh, like literally a tiny village where like 100 people live. And I try to be protective over the location of my home because my family also lives there. Okay. And since it's like literally so small, uh, <laughs> it would be way too easy to find my mom's house, etc. So um, I don't really talk about uh, the name of the of the place, but it's it's chill, it's lovely. Like I was born in Hamburg, which is like of course a big city, like 1.8 million people or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we moved out there when I was 10 years old, and that's where I grew up. And um, built a house next to my mom's place. And I love it personally because it's so quiet. It's next to a nature reserve area. It's by the beach. Oh, wow. As I mentioned, there's like hardly anybody, especially in winter and summer, there's some tourists coming for the beach and stuff. And it's a bit more lively, but especially off season. It's like you, you can't hear anything but like insects and birds. And it's just like that peace and quiet That was always amazing for me to come back to whenever I came back from tours with like noisy clubs and festivals and wildlife and so much like action and input. And it's always good for me to then just come home and and sit in the garden with like no input at all and just digest it all.
0: Do you still live there now?
1: Um, Partly. Like I, I... Yeah, sometimes I live in Hamburg. Sometimes I live in Berlin. I'm also thinking about moving somewhere else at the moment. I'm like still quite flexible. I don't have family and kids and stuff. So I can pretty much be wherever, especially now that there's not so many like dates and festivals that I attend. So most of my work is laptop based. Mm -hmm. And I can like pretty much be everywhere. But it's still like my hub where I keep most of my personal stuff and I always come back to.
0: I think what you just told me about the village that you grew up in is fascinating because when a lot of South Africans think of Germany, our minds go straight to Berlin. You know, because mm. it's a, it's right now. It's sort of the arts capital of Europe, and there's so much happening there in terms of music and theater and fashion. Um, what's your experience of Berlin been like? You mentioned that you know you b- sort of bounce between a few places.
1: Mm. I personally love Berlin. It's the only like global city I would say we have in Germany. It's the only truly international city where you just walk through the streets and. You hear tons of different languages and you see tons of different cultures and vibes. And just like going on a walk in Berlin is inspiring because you meet so many characters and crazy people of all kinds, which I really love. It's super inspiring and refreshing. It's also compared to like most of the big cities in the world, fairly cheap, like regarding Rent, food, drinks, whatever, mm-hmm. compared to other big cities in Germany and also Europe, it's like it's still a joke, <laughs> like price wise. The prices are going up, of course, like everywhere, but um, it's still affordable and that also attracts a young and the creative crowd of artists, of actors, musicians, etc., that can still have a decent life in the city while like exploring their art and just chasing their dreams um and on the other hand for me personally like i've already told you that i grew up in a village so sometimes for me it's a little bit too noisy <laughs> i i never <laughs> spend like more than one month in a row in berlin <laughs> because i don't know i would just like go crazy that's just Almost like too much. There's not one single day where you just stay at home and do nothing because there's always somebody calling something happening, something like going on. And while this is, of course, amazing and so much fun. I don't know if I could live a balanced life in Berlin. (laughs) I think I would just like go nuts.
0: That's what I've heard from so many people who've been there. Like there's always something to do at any hour on any given day. And in South Africa, I mean, you've experienced a little bit of our music scene here and our electronic music scene here is huge. But our alternative music scene, rock music scene, indie, that's not very really that really that big. And our musicians that are really good, they kind of hit a ceiling here and then they have nowhere else to go.
1: And the mm. majority
0: of them go to Berlin. I find it very interesting. Um, and, you know, they are very happy to bask there for six months and then come back here. So you're you're chasing that endless summer, you know, you have the best of both worlds, which mm-hmm. I think is quite cool. But I read as a teenager, whenever there were parties, you know, you'd rock up ready to plug your phone or your laptop into the system and take care of the music. So so clearly you've always been a party starter, Felix.
1: yeah for sure like when i was 15 years old already like we had the first birthday parties i was planning the whole night i had a fog machine i had lights i had music going on i like set up different floors in the house and i was like i was going crazy i was planning the parties for weeks
0: (laughs) I love it. But at what point do you take this love, not only for music, but for, you know, curating music and moods and start working on DJing and like getting the transitions right and starting to build a set?
1: It kind of happened at that age still when I was like 15, 16 years old and we started having birthday parties, especially in the countryside. There was like nowhere, no bars to go to or anything like that. So we had to set up our own parties And I then, like, started hosting parties together with three of my friends and one of my brothers, and we bought some speakers and a controller, and we were, like, the party crew. (laughs) One of my friends was already (laughs) 18, and he had a car, so we would always drive there with our gear, set everything up, and start the party. (laughs) That was, like, my hobby, basically, when I was a teenager. And from that, I started just, like, learning um, how to play a set, how to read a crowd how to play the right track at the right time. And at one of those birthday parties, a club promoter heard me play. And that's how I got my first club show when I was 16 years old at a student night in a small town called Lübeck in Germany. Um, and from that, like one show, I got another show and another show. And I just like kept building my profile in like Northern Germany when I was like 17, 18 years old and. After finishing high school, I then moved to London for one year to like go all in and study music production and music business and Mm -hmm. play a couple of warm up shows at Pasha and Ministry of Sound and like properly start building my my career. I started my SoundCloud page, started uploading bootlegs and that's where it like truly took off and I went all in and I was like. Yo, I'm done with school now. That's my dream. That's what I really want to do. So that's what I've been chasing.
0: Before you moved to London and before things really started popping off, you know, when everything in your career, you were still building it and it was still DIY. Mm. And you were sending your tracks to like 200 blogs every single day. Can you remember the first time a blog or a label that you really looked up to actually picked up your track and like gave it some love?
1: Yeah, it was a blog called Trendmusik, a German like music blog that was posting a lot of melodic house and deep music, deep house music at the time. And yeah, I almost couldn't believe it that they even replied to my email because at times (laughs) I was sending out 200 emails a day and nobody replies. (laughs) And I was like still doing it. And those were like the first ones that replied and actually like wrote about my song. And I remember that I was checking my Facebook page every single minute and I was like, oh my God, I got 50 new followers today off that blog post and I already have 300 plays on my song. That's insane. And that was like so cool. I still remember that.
0: I mean, then when you released your remix of Omi's Cheerleader and, you know, you go number one in, you go number one in 55 countries and, Mm. you know, you're whisked from your little village and you're thrown onto this international touring circuit. Talk to me about how suddenly everything happened. Like, what do you remember from this time? Because, I mean, if it was me, I would imagine it would just have been a blur
1: yeah it's definitely been a blur and um i forgot a lot of the details because there suddenly was a time where news just kept pouring and every single day i was number one here gold there like another song pick up whatever and i like i stopped even like following the news because it was just too much to get my head around it but until then it's been quite some time still it took me like Well, it's not long compared to other careers, but it's still been like one, two years in between Mm -hmm. where I kept building my like online following. I was just uploading bootlegs, doing the PR myself. And I started having little success stories on Hype Machine. It's like a block chart, um, which is basically the chart of the most hyped tracks on the internet. (laughs) That's like the idea of it. And I had at some point I had two number ones on Hype Machine within a month. And that's when the industry started discovering me and reaching out. And suddenly I got emails from like music executives. And that's also how the Cheerleader remix then happened, because Ultra Music from New York reached out and was like, "Yo, we have this track Um, we're thinking about doing a remix. Do you maybe want to do it? And that was like, my first official request to actually do something for a company that's gonna be officially released, not just on my SoundCloud. And I was so, so excited. I even, didn't even think about it twice. I just like immediately replied, Yes, of course, send me the stamps. <laughs> and I didn't even really listen to the song before. I didn't care. It was like my, my first official request. <laughs> and then I put together that remix within like a week. And finally thinking about it now, I didn't even really know what I was doing. I was still just learning. So I took the acapella, which was like 20 BPM slower um, with all the effects on like reverb and delays. delays and I just made that faster, faster. faster in Logic, which is a DAW, like a software you used to produce music, mm-hmm. um, which like every sound engineer would, would shout at me and be like, "Yo, you can't do that. That's, like, that's against all rules. That's you just don't do that. You know, you ask for a dry acapella, and and you do it properly. <laughs> but somehow, by doing that and being so naive and not really knowing what I was doing, I created a sound that stood out and uh, clearly like spoke to a lot of people in the end. Um, which is so cool about this time, and I try to remember that." a lot when working on music these days, because I turned into a perfectionist at some point And I was like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's got to be perfect. Let's work on this like two more weeks and like flip every single detail and try this and try that. But like my most successful record ever, and I don't know if I can ever top that again, because it's just a crazy, crazy track numbers, chart success, whatever. I don't know if I can have that twice in a lifetime.
0: Never say never.
1: We'll we'll see. We'll see. But you know what I mean? It's like it's such a unique story, that song. And I didn't even know what I was doing. (laughs) That's that's the best part about it. And I try to remember that now whenever I do stuff to not overcomplicate, to not overperfectionize, to just go with the flow, to go with the feeling. And as long as it feels right, it's, it's good, you know it doesn't have to be technically perfect
0: exactly i feel like when creatives are starting out musicians are starting out and there's no pressure they just create with mm. a freedom that they don't create once you know they're a chart topping <laughs> global star but mm. i mean you like most kids are happy with just taking a gap year and you went straight for the top of the charts, like a proper overachiever, but but (laughs) do you feel like you missed out on a self-exploration period after high school or were you very happy doing what you were doing?
1: I, I kind of had that now, you know <laughs> finally to be Fair honest <laughs> <laughs> in the like in the past one and a half years because of the <laughs> pandemic and not being able to tour and stuff, I finally had so much time at home to like just like be with friends to chill to watch Netflix, to like just be with clubs being closed to just meet up in the streets and hang at a park or whatever you know <laughs> so this like kind of like youth culture, life, student life, whatever, without a lot of pressure and meetings and responsibilities, I kind of was able to have that life now, which was actually really cool.
0: Something that you're very vocal about is the topic of mental health, like specifically Mm -hmm. referring to anxiety and panic attacks that you used to experience all the time. I mean, you were a kid doing things that most adults couldn't even dream of doing, and an anxious kid with the world watching you. Tell Mm. me about how you found a calmness through meditation and how it's impacted your mental health.
1: Mm. Meditation... Like became a daily part of my routine um, I went like super deep in it like up to 3 hours a day at some point <laughs> which was like wow. crazy because I could literally like put myself into completely different mindsets and um, I always like the picture of tinted shades It's like I feel like I used to have tinted shades on my mind all the time and I see the world with different eyes now and it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Like every detail that's surrounding me, I experience it differently now. I even started to seeing like close family and friends that I've known forever with different eyes, like their faces have changed and stuff. It's like, it sounds a bit mental, but it's like, by transforming my inner feelings, my, my judgments, my opinions, um, my fears, all of that. And that's not just meditation. I also did therapy
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, like sports and yoga and a healthy diet. And I, I tried everything I could to feel better, uh, basically. But it completely changed my life because it completely changed the world, the way I see the world. And our perception The way we see the world it's not just from the outside in it's also from the inside out equally because we project um, based on our previous experiences and opinions and all of that onto the world so um, this has been a big big change in my life to understand that I I see the world from the inside out and that I can be in charge of that that I can control that that I can find the reasons for my fears that I can go back in the past and transform suffering into love. Um, And I feel like at this stage, there's like I'm ready to move on. (laughs) That's also what the song I got a feeling is about Mm -hmm. It's about -hmm. uh, no more digging up the sad souls like I can leave all that in the past. Now it's good. I can let it settle again and I can move on and, and look into the future. But the meditation is still a daily practice that I continue because it just helps me to stay calm, to stay positive and to like keep my vision clear, basically.
0: Mm. It's quite ironic how, you know, during one of the most anxious periods of your life, your your signature sound that you became known for was this very happy, chill, tropical house. Mm. Was there a point that you actually picked up on this disconnect between how you were feeling and (laughs) what you were portraying.
1: Yeah, in 2018. (laughs) I I actually know exactly when because it was like the time after releasing my debut album with all those early hits like Cheerleader and Ain't And the music was so positive, but I, I wasn't feeling good at the time. And I felt like there was a disconnect. So I had to seek a new purpose and a new way of dealing with things. I was always asking myself the why questions like, Why Mm -hmm. do I uh, even create? Why do I feel lonely? Why do I feel sad? And I was kind of going in circles. I describe it as the wheel of why do I? As long as you ask the question why, you're just going to continue to go in circles, basically. Mm. So I decided to ask myself what instead and to be like, okay, what can I do to feel better? What, What can I do to feel a connection with my creations again? And on the music, on the creation side, I then decided to co-write the lyrics of my songs. And I started to be deeply involved in the songwriting as well, while before I was just focused on the productions, on remixing and and making the music. Um, And that truly helped me to feel more connected to the music again, because by co-writing the songs, by making them personal, automatically, everything I do with my artist project, playing the shows, doing the promo, whatever, felt much more personal and realer because it's my stories it's directly connected to me and that's been a big change um and i still love it i still love that i went down that road and it's giving me like a new purpose because i feel like only by being authentic by sharing my story i can hopefully share hope and inspire others to work like to walk their personal path to a happier life too um So, yeah, that's it. (laughs) I was like, do I I (laughs) have to come to an end with that answer?
0: (laughs) No, but I'm I'm sure that once you released I, you must have felt a sudden weight lift off your shoulders, like an incredible sense of relief. Mm,
1: That's for sure. It's always like I'm already excited now for the new album to be out because it's such a big project um, that I invested so much time in that once it's finally out and I know that I can't control anything anymore, it's just like out there for the world to listen to. Um, It's a beautiful feeling. But then, to be honest, I know myself, I'm already thinking about what's coming after. So (laughs) I always keep going. I don't know. I just love it.
0: Talk to me about the upcoming album. I want to know everything.
1: Okay. So it's called Breathe. um which is amazing it it like actually i don't think i ever told the story before but i had it finished like one year ago already and it used to be called why do i <laughs> okay and it was way sadder than the album is now there were more songs related to the times where i was still suffering there was a song called no good with the with the hook where we just repeated no good no good no good no good i was like okay, that's maybe a bit too much drama
0: <laughs> related <laughs> also
1: to the like the times of COVID and lockdown, to be honest, because I was then listening to that album again and I was imagining all my fans sitting at home being frustrated already and then listening to my new album with a hook, no good, no good, no good, no good. I was like, maybe not. I'm a DJ. I want to make people dance. I want to make them happy. So I like switched the album around like, I took five songs off the album, I added new songs, I made it lighter, I made it more positive, I changed Mm -hmm. the title. And that's why it's now called Breathe. And it's still about like my personal transformation or anybody's personal transformation, the phase from like feeling sad and lonely to feeling happy again. And what's also been a nice little change like in the last like year and a half for me personally on this album, is that while the songs before like Laugh for Myself and "Sickle," for example were talking a lot about myself and about my struggles and about loving myself and now that I did that and I do love myself and I feel happy in this present moment again I managed to go out again and find love and I like literally just went on tinder and went on a few dates (laughs) and I have a boyfriend now and I'm in a happy relationship (laughs) Yay. <laughs> Yay. And, <laughs> and with that of course my music changed as well and suddenly like love came into those songs again and the songs are not just talking about self-love anymore but actually about meeting somebody mm-hmm. which is real love with somebody else like um so that's also been a nice change and like since i wanted to co-write all of the songs and i wanted it to be personal and make sense and have a connection, which was like the main idea after my first debut album in 2018. I, of course, had to change this album again and switch it up for it to make sense again with my current situation, which is amazing. It's super positive and I feel good and I feel loved and I love. So I also wanted the album to reflect that.
0: That's incredible. I'm super happy for you. And the way that you characterized Breathe Now, I can feel that and hear that on I Got a Feeling. Like it's super feel good and it's retro disco vibes. And it's a, yeah, it was a great single. So I hope that we can expect more of that because I'm really loving that sound.
1: Mm, Thank you. Um, Yeah, you definitely can. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of cool music lined up already.
0: We're also very fortunate to have you on Tech Talks this month because it's Pride Month in South Africa. Hey,
1: nice. And
0: I wanted to talk a little bit about when you were in the closet and not out yet as a public mm. figure, because after you dropped I, you made the decision to come out to the world. But before you came out, you were doing interviews and performing and you were Constantly, I, I, I was wondering if you would be constantly questioning everything that you said and how you said it because, you know, maybe you felt that you had to be careful and you couldn't really show mm-hmm. who you were.
1: Yeah, 100%. That has been one of my biggest struggles, I would say, because, like, at first, when I was even younger, I had to, like, deal with it myself and there were like years where i went to bed every single night thinking about it and i couldn't really sleep and i didn't have anybody to talk about uh, this kind of stuff with until i opened up to my family and friends but then like shortly after that i already became famous and suddenly i was a public figure and um, i was even more insecure and then I also had like a single, for example, called She's like Hot to Touch, where the hook was, She's Too Hot to, to Touch. And in every single interview, they would ask me, like, so who's too hot to touch? Like, who do you uh... fans be like? Tell me, what's the hottest singer in the world? <laughs> and I was always like, oh, no, I can't tell them. I can't tell them. They don't know yet. <laughs> I was like, I can't give them the full answer. And, of course, this was giving me headaches because I felt like I had to protect a secret at all times. It was so difficult to do promo because, of course, I was trying beforehand asking my team to like talk to the PR to take out those kind of questions about my personal life but then again that's what everybody wants to know and everybody Mm -hmm. always loves to talk about (laughs) and it was just making my life complicated I was even going to a point at some stage where I felt like I didn't move freely anymore like when I was dancing on stage I tried to avoid round movements because i felt like those could be perceived as as feminine and that because of that people could then think that i may be like guys (laughs) and it's like
0: oh wow it,
1: it went really deep into my my habits as well of like basically not freely expressing my true self and i think that was also like a big factor for my mental health suffering and At that time, I also had like back problems and I had a slip disc problem in my neck, I had headaches almost every day. And thinking about this now, and also after having been to so many doctors that couldn't find anything that was wrong with myself, I, I now understand that most of the pain I was also experiencing physically was related to my, my mental health and to my fears and to my anxiety. And it was just like, my buddy telling me you got to change something.
0: (laughs) Your your coming out was in this beautiful article in a German publication, uh, which I put through Google Translate. So
1: (laughs) I remember, I don't know what the fuck up was, but there was like an English translation of it on Billboard, like right after we dropped it and they got it completely wrong. And they like, (laughs) <laughs> literally flipped the whole meaning of the article by having oh, like no. a full translation and it was like so big and I was like so frustrated because I took so long to write this article because it was like in a first narrator perspective and I got to like uh, sit down with the journalist and write it together and make sure that everything is exactly the way I wanted to say it. And then they fucked it up in the translation. <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh. Germany got it right, but the rest of the world got a completely different version of what I wanted to say. So
0: then you had to put out another statement, basically saying what you wanted yeah, to say.
1: <laughs> maybe I had to learn to let it go and stop caring so much. Maybe that was also a good exercise.
0: <laughs> but once that article was live, mm. what, what goes through your mind when you're like, okay, well, now all of this pent up emotion frustration that I've had for so long that's been affecting me physically as well. Mm. That's all that's all gone. Like I can be who I want to be. How how do you feel once that article's live?
1: Well for for like a little while I was still nervous and I was waiting for the first feedbacks to come in. And then like shortly afterwards I started getting text messages and like social media comments and phone calls and like everybody was reaching out. And since then, it's just been like a relief and freeing because I was really blessed to only be faced with love and positive comments. Everybody was super understanding and respectful. And I was never faced with hate, really. Um, So it was amazing to to know that I'm okay, basically, that I'm accepted the way I am, because that's essentially what I was afraid of for so Mm. long to just to just live my true self and to be me. Um, And knowing that I can do that was was amazing. And then, of course, it still took a while afterwards and still like for me to change my habits and to adapt it to my everyday life, to know that um like everything i talked about like the interview situations and my movement and stuff it still took a while for me to change those old habits of course and to like see and understand that i can actually be me now uh for real as well not just in in theory
0: and once you realize that you could actually be you now we could start to see it in the music like Mm. we could see uh, in no therapy it's got this message of empowerment and self-love like i don't need no therapy bitch like i love myself and
1: then
0: (laughs) and then on love myself that you did with callum scott it's exactly that same thing it's like the lyrics go i think it's like i couldn't be who i wanted to be being Mm. me was a struggle for me Mm. um and it's just so honest but you know looking at present tense Felix who's had some mm-hmm. of the craziest experiences on the planet and survived a pandemic and how much happier are you now in your own skin
1: I, I don't know I can't even put it into words like I wasn't happy at all before and now I'm super happy <laughs> like I don't have anything to complain about I love myself I love my body and my soul and I love everybody around me I love all like I love everything. I love every single human being on this planet. I love Mother Earth. I love the trees and the birds. I don't know. I'm just full of love. <laughs> um, um, I feel, yeah, free and happy and full of love.
0: <laughs> one one of the most amazing things that I learned about you, and I have to ask you about this, is mm-hmm. that I mean, there are amazing things. There there are lots of things that I've learned, but there's a wax sculpture of you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. at the Madame Tussauds in Berlin and, and the outfit that you're wearing was an outfit that you'd worn to like this massive New Year's Eve party. But mm-hmm. what's it, what is it like to stand next to a wax figure of yourself that mm-hmm. someone has spent like hours painstakingly molding and putting together? Mm-hmm. Like was it also, was it an exact replica of you? Because sometimes they get those things really wrong.
1: They got it. They got it quite right. It looks. Okay. It looks great. Like I was. I was happy with the result. The process was already funny in itself. I had to pose in that same like pose for like six hours, and they measured every single thing. Like I was literally just standing there in boxer shorts. I had like colored dots <laughs> all over my body. They came with like uh, tape measures and measured everything. They checked my teeth, my eyes. They got it like. Uh, uh, um, a sample of my hair, like they literally—they know everything about me. I, f- I feel like <laughs> they,
0: they, DNA it's, sample. It's
1: been, <laughs> yeah, they—they they have everything. They can literally recreate me. <laughs> I don't what, know. What other? But the, it's really what funny, and then standing next to it was like surreal. Of course, it's—I don't know. It's one of those. It's like being number one in the world with a record. It's something somebody just tells me, but I don't feel like I really get it. It's just like too big to understand and to know that like a wax me is standing there every single day and people come up to take pictures with it. It's kind of weird to be honest. I don't know. It's, it's, I I feel honored for sure, but it's also something that I don't really think about or understand truly as a person.
0: (laughs) Do you ever go visit it and then just kind of like stand close by and then nah,
1: really just contemplate <laughs> it? No, it's too I visited <laughs> it once <laughs> for like for like the opening, and uh, we, we went there and we invited some fans and we had a nice little like event. But no, I don't just casually go to Madame Tussauds to take a selfie with myself. I would
0: would totally do that. I would like stand (laughs) like a meter away from my wax figure and then just really mindfuck people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just just look at them and say, yep, it's me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Felix, apart from the new album on the cards Mm. which i'm very excited about and looking forward to what else can we expect from you as the world starts to open up and we go back to quote unquote normality
1: well as soon as i'm allowed to again i would love to go on a global tour (laughs) for sure i feel like i don't know um dried out is that an expression you would use (laughs) Um, Uh, uh, hungry is maybe one uh, there we go go. i'm like so hungry to get back on stage um just because it used to be my life right like i started this whole thing as a dj when i was 15 years old and then i became a producer and a writer and an artist and a personality and and all of those things as well but initially my dream was to be a dj and for the past one and a half years i couldn't really be a dj because mm-hmm. there's no events to perform it and i did have like very few shows in germany that i was super lucky to perform it um and i noticed like when i was going on stage even the day before like the excitement getting ready get putting the music together, like the whole experience, going backstage, arriving at the show, seeing the fans, loud music, bass, people dancing together. I was like, I just have goosebumps talking about it now. And it's just a feeling that I I feel like I need almost. Like it's it's my life. I just love dancing. I love performing. And not being able to do that is quite difficult and of course like i meditate and i have many other ways of spending my time and i'm grateful that i'm healthy and i have a home and i have food and and all the essentials but that's my passion and not being able to live your passion is quite difficult um so honestly i just hope that i can (laughs) i can be on tour again soon
0: well felix it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on text talks Mm. but promise me
1: Thank we can so do
0: this in person next time you come and play at Ultra South Africa.
1: Yes, please do that. Please Yay. do. That.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Shout out to Felix Yeen for joining me in studio. Text Talks is coming to you from the amazing Kaya Creative Studios at Neighborgood in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. Shout out to Tom's, the only music store for keeping us connected. From me, your host Tex, my producers Jonathan Ings and Matt Lurz and our researcher Elle Clapper. Catch you on the flip side.